Okay, we have been studying the book of Joshua and learning a lot of really good things from the book. And today, I want to talk a little bit about chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. And before we start reading the book and the chapter, I'd like us to look at Deuteronomy 7 for just a second. Deuteronomy, Moses had given some instructions to the people of Israel. And these were his instructions. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you, and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. 
make no treaties with them, and show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. Now, this is, this is a warning that Moses gives the Israelites. And the warning has a reason. If we go into the, the book of Joshua, we find out that the Hittites were a nation known for terror. Think about that. Imagine making a covenant with terror. The Amorites were talkers. They talked a lot and didn't very little. Just talkers, sayers. The Canaanite were very zealous, but did not have a relationship with God. And so each one of these, these nations that they were going to conquer, God told them, I don't want you to make a covenant with them. Can you imagine going into a business with terror? Or going into the business with a talker? Or going into business with one of these other tribes that God had told him not to make a covenant with? There was a reason for it. And now I want to talk a little bit about Gibeon. For in chapter 9, it is a chapter that talks about the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites are very interesting people. Gibeon means hill city. But it also means up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Have you ever met somebody that was always up and down? Think about that a moment. Up and down. In his attitudes, in his way of being, he's up, now he's down. Now he's up, now he's down. As we look through the word of the Lord, it is really interesting to me to see something. The path of the righteous is like the bright the brightness of the sun that grows every single day brighter and brighter. In our relationship with God, yes, we have problems. We have difficulties we go through. There are things in our lives that we go through, but it always leads us to grow in God, in our relationship with God. And the word here, Gibeon, means up and down. He's, these are people that were we're not steady. It's like the ones who, you know, come to church and start going into the principles of, of the church and of the Bible, start reading about the Word, but they never change their bad habits. Never change them. And their life with God is always up and down. Today they're hot, tomorrow they're cold, but they're never growing in their relationship with God. Every Christian should grow in his relationship with God. He should be growing up, up, up. We should always be showing improvement in our relationship with God. Every day, let's go deeper. Every day, let's know God more. Every day, let's walk with God. And that's what God wanted. Now, Joshua chapter 9, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. Verse 1 tells us, Now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what had happened. 
These were the kings of the Hittites, terror, Amorites, the talkers, Canaanites, zealous. The, look, look at all these people. The Hivites, Jebusites, who lived in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the coasts of the Mediterranean Sea, as far north as the Lebanon mountains. These kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. But in verse 3, we see a change. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. I'm really impressed with that verse right there. They resorted to deception to save themselves. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is not interested in saving you. He's interested in you dying to yourself and being a brand new creation in God. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to save the old you. He wants to get rid of that. He wants to put in you a new spirit, a new heart. He wants to transform you and change you into a new creation, a brand new person. But here the Gibeonites restored to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their, their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins, and here goes the deception. They put all old stuff on their donkeys. Old bread, moldy bread. They put old shoes on. In Mexico, we call them chanclas. They put the old shoes on as if they'd walked a long way and they're going to walk in the path of deception. Now, deception has a couple of meanings I want to bring out. Deception is the act or practice of deceiving, lying, misleading, hiding or distorting the truth. The, way, the related word deceit often means the same thing. Deception doesn't just involve lying. It can consist of misrepresenting or omitting the truth or more complicated cover-ups. Anything that misleads you is deception. And another thing that comes right along with the word deception is the word manipulation. There are people that love to manipulate people to do what they want. And that is another form of deception. Now, think about this now. Here's the, the tribe of Gibeon, or the people of Gibeon. And the first point I want to make is this. Point number one, there are dangers of deception and manipulation. And here are some of the dangers I want to present. Number one, God is not into saving ourselves, but dying to self and living for him. Until we learn that, we are not walking in the right path of righteousness. Every person has got to come to God and bow himself before the throne of God and say, I surrender. I give up. I can't do this. And God, who is so good and so wonderful, makes us a new creation for him. Because deception leads to bondage. 
Deception leads to being deceived. And making a covenant with a deceiver always brings strife. You ever worked with somebody who likes to deceive? Could you say that was a pleasant working environment? Working with somebody that deceives and always does things that are wrong makes it hard to work with. We get strife in there. Second Corinthians tells us something in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 14. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, as we're reading this chapter, I want to interject something. Because I was preaching in a church in Mexico. And one of the people in the church says, Oh, you mean I can divorce my wife? Because she's an unbeliever. She's a pagan. And I said, No. You have a covenant with her. If you'll notice, and we'll notice this in the, in the rest of the chapter, once you make a covenant with a person, God expects you to keep it. And God, in the midst of that relationship, can bring a wonderful change. It just takes a lot of being on your knees before the Lord and praying. God can change anything. Now, deception is cruel. Deception always leads to a curse. The Bible tells us that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It tells us that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. So a deceiver will always be deceived. That's the curse of a deceiver. They fall right into their own trap. And we've got to remember something. Deception started in the Garden of Eden, and the greatest deceiver of all was the devil himself. Deception puts us in the path of the devil, because he's the great deceiver. God doesn't want deception. God wants truth and righteousness, and we need to walk in truth and righteousness with God. Second point I want to make. Relationship with God makes our path steady and growing. In verse 12 of chapter 9. Verse 12 of that chapter 9 of Joshua. The Gibeonites had come to them and said, This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing 
and our sandals are worn out from the very long journey. So the Israelites examined the tacos. I mean, the food. You see that right there? The Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. They did not consult the Lord. Think about that. The one thing they should have done, they didn't do. They didn't ask God what they should do. Oh, they examined the bread and they examined the wine and they examined all the things that they were presented, but they did not consult the Lord. Let me say something right here. If you have an up and down life, if you have a life that's up one day, down the next day, if you have a life that isn't going on a steady path of righteousness towards God, you need to come back to relationship with God. Relationship with God is something that each one of us has to work at daily. Relationship with God is a personal responsibility. You need to get into the Bible. Get into the Bible. Read it. Study it. And as you're reading and studying the Word of God, say yes. What do I mean by that? God talks to us in His Word so many beautiful things, and He asks us to do certain things. When we're reading the Bible and studying the Bible, we need to have a heart that says yes to God. A heart that responds to God and says yes. Now, Israel forgot to consult God. You would think it was their habit by this time, but I guess not. And sometimes we as people, as per people, we fall into the same trap. We don't consult God on the things he wants us to do. Don't consult him. Well, as Israel starts again on its trek to conquer the nations, guess what they come across? They come across the city of Gibeon, the Gibeonite city. And those that had made a covenant with them all of a sudden say, this is our city. And you can't conquer it. You can't do anything to it because we have a covenant with you. We have a covenant with you. And that covenant that we have does not let you come and conquer the city. If you look at verse 25 in chapter 9, it says, Now we are at your mercy. Do to us whatever you think is right. So Joshua did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. But that day he made the Gibeonites, the woodcutters, the water carriers for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord. Wherever the Lord would choose to build it, and that is what they do to this very day. Now, that's a really important thing right there that we need to catch on to. Because this third point I want to make is this. A servant heart brought them to the altar. Wow. Think about that. If there's a problem with your growth with God, 
get into a relationship with God. And secondly, serve God. What does that mean? That means in the church where you are attending, wherever you're going, if it's here in Living Word Chapel or wherever you're attending church, begin to serve in the church. Now, everything the Gibeonites had done up to this point, everything they had done was deceptive, manipulative, wrong. Everything. But Joshua comes up with the plan. Okay, you're going to serve. And there's two things you're going to do. You're going to be the woodcutters and the water carriers for the whole community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord. Now, the altar of the Lord was where the sacrifices were burnt. Sacrifices for sin. Sacrifices for peace. Many sacrifices were burnt on that altar. And as the Gibeonites began to serve on the altar and in the things pertaining to the altar, something began to happen in their hearts and in their lives. And we see this in the rest of the history of the Gibeonites. But before I get to that, I want you to get to an example that we have. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 talks to us and says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. You see that word right there, privileges? It seems like everybody nowadays are looking out for their own privileges and what they're owed. But God, Jesus Christ, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now think about this a second. God wants to give us the privilege of being servants, serving people. God has called us as a church to serve people. God has called us as a church to lift people up in prayer. 
God has called us as a church to cry out on our knees before God for the salvation of people, for the liberation of people, for the healing of people all around us. There is a call of God upon the church. And that call of God is to serve. Just like this call went out to the Gibeonites. These were people that were accustomed to be deceivers and cheaters and liars and not telling truth. That's what they were accustomed to. But when they came into the camp of the Israelites, Joshua made them servants. Oh, we got to remember that Joshua is a type of Jesus. And Jesus, while he was on this earth, he gave us the example of what a servant is. He showed us by his example what a servant is. And everywhere he went, he served people. People were very important to him. And the Gibeonites here are called to serve the people of Israel and to serve the altar. Huh. The altar in our lives is a place of laying it down. The altar in our lives is a place of surrender. The altar in our lives is a place of dying to ourself and giving your life for others. God is calling us to that. If there is a problem in our spiritual growth, start reading the Bible. Have a time of prayer every day with God and start serving. Those are the keys. The Gibeonites begin to serve at the altar. And what really gets me is later the Gibeonites became a blessing. In chapter 10 of Joshua, they begin to be a blessing to the people of Israel. Later on in, in the Bible, the tabernacle was pitched at Gibeon in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. You can look it up. They helped Nehemiah rebuild Jerusalem's wall after it had been torn down. They were part of the people that returned from exile and came back and built the wall. God turned a curse into a blessing. God's grace forgives and restores. And it comes out of a heart that begins to serve. A heart that begins to really seek God. It is your responsibility to grow in God. It is your responsibility to get into the Bible and read it and obey it. It's your responsibility to talk with God. And God calls us to serve. It's interesting to me also that in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 3 and 4, it even tells us that some of the mighty men of David were from Gibeon. Look at that. They were from Gibeon. They began to serve the Lord with all their hearts to such an extent that when David was around, there were many, many mighty men from Gibeon and they were even among the 30 that were very special, mighty warriors with David. Huh. Now, 
got to come to a point here where we talk about ourselves. God is calling us to a place of growing. God is calling us to a place of being steady in God. He's calling us to a place of relationship. And as I said before, it's your responsibility. You can say yes or you can say no. But the voice of the Lord is tugging at your heart and calling you to come and lay down yourself and start living for God. I don't know if you've ever given your heart to God. As you're hearing me speak right now, I don't know if you've ever given your heart fully to God, but this is an opportunity that God wants to give us right now. And it's very simple to give your heart to God. Giving your heart to God is just recognizing and accepting. I have sinned before God. I have been a deceiver all my life. My life has been up and down. I am never a steady man. I just go up and then I come down and there is no steadiness in me. And it's because I do my own will. And God, I want to lay down my will, my way of life before your feet today. And I want to say, I surrender. I surrender. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And God, I just ask you would come into my life and transform this old man into a new creation before you. And God, give me a heart that loves you, that studies your word, that talks with you, and that serves you with a whole heart. I just ask that in the name of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, if you're already walking with God, dig in deeper. Get into the Word. Get into prayer. Just talk to God. And as you do, grow. And if you're serving in the church, thank the Lord. If you're not serving in the church, come and serve. If you need something to do in the church and not exactly sure what you can do, you can ta talk to pastor's wife, Shauna. You can talk with the help center back there where it says new here, start here. You can go back there and you can ask them or you can ask Emma. There's many people in the staff here at the church that can direct you to something you can do. There's always people needed at the doors saying hello to the newcomers. There's always things to do in the house of the Lord. And I want to encourage you to serve the Lord with gladness and grow. I ask you that in Jesus' name. God bless you.